Each year, thousands of book lovers of all ages visit the nation's capital to celebrate the joys of reading and lifelong literacy at the Library of Congress National Book Festival, co-chaired in 2009 by President Barack Obama and First Lady Michelle Obama. Now in its ninth year, this free event, held Saturday, September 26th on the National Mall in Washington, D.C., will spark readers' passion for learning as they interact with the nation's best-selling authors, illustrators, and poets. Even if you can't attend in person, you can participate online. These podcast interviews and other materials are available at the National Book Festival website at www.loc.gov slash bookfest. It's now my honor to talk with the award-winning author, James Patterson. Mr. Patterson holds the New York Times bestseller list record with 46 titles overall. His popular thrillers have sold an estimated 150 million copies worldwide and include Along Came a Spider and Kiss the Girls, both adapted into feature films. Swimsuit is among his latest releases. Mr. Patterson is also the recipient of several book awards, including an Edgar and International Thriller of the Year Award. He recently entered the world of young adult thriller writing with the Maximum Ride series and the book Daniel X, Watch the Skies, the latter of which is due out uh, in late August. Mr. Patterson has additionally launched the website Read Kiddo Read, which is dedicated to turning kids into lifelong readers. Mr. Patterson, thank you so much for your time. Hey, it's good to talk to you. Uh, let's cover some of the basics. First of all, um, how did you uh, decide to pursue a career in writing? Uh, well, I was working my way through college. I was um, I was an aide at a mental hospital, and I had a lot of time at night. I started reading a lot, and, uh, and then I started scribbling, and I just loved it. And somebody said, you're lucky if you find something you like to do, and then it's a miracle somebody will pay you to do it. So I set out to see if anybody would pay me to do it. Okay. Um, and what in particular about the genre of mysteries and thrillers did you find appealing? Uh, well, I had read Ulysses, and uh, I thought it was an unbelievably good book that I wasn't capable of writing. And I, I started looking around, and I said, well, what, 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 what kind of uh, books might I be able to write realistically? And um, uh, mysteries and thrillers, uh, it, well, I, I tell you, I mean, one of the things with me is, uh, I hadn't read a lot of um, commercial fiction until uh, in my early early twenties, and then I read The Exorcist and um, Day of the Jackal, and I went, you know, I might be able to write something like this. I, I liked both of those, and mm -hmm. uh, I thought I might be able to do something like that. Now, uh, what has inspired you to explore the world of young adult mystery writing? Is that just sort of a natural extension? Uh, I, I, a lot of things. One thing was that um, I, I, when I would go out on book tours, people would come up and go, you know, you got my husband reading again, you got my wife reading, you got my kids reading. And when it was the kids, they would, um, sometimes people have tears in their eyes because that's a big deal for people when the kids won't read. And I thought that my style would work well with kids. Um, and I have an 11-year-old, so that's mm -hmm. another piece of the uh, piece of the puzzle and uh, you know getting him reading has been uh, uh, has been one of the tasks for uh, my wife Sue and I. One of the things I find interesting when I get to talk with authors is to learn a little bit about their writing style. I mean is, is there a particular ritual? Is there a time of day? Or there, uh, do you set aside time? Well as I said going back to this notion finding something you like and then and then uh, somebody will pay it pay you to do it it's it's great so I, I i love what i do i work basically seven days a week uh i'll usually write four to six hours a day hmm. i write early in the morning and then i'll write again you know a little later in the after in the, in, the, in, the, in the late morning and then and then usually maybe from 
three to five or three to six, something like that. Mm-hmm. Now, talk a little bit, if you would, about the Maximum Ride series and uh, Daniel X. Watch the skies. Uh, well, these are the first two. Uh, Daniel X. Actually, there are two Daniel X's now. The first one was the Dangerous Days of Daniel X, and then Watch the Skies is the second one. Okay. Um, they're they're books. Uh, you know, we, the publisher says anybody from ten to one hundred and ten. So they're <laughs> people that like. Um, Oh, movies like Spider-Man and things like that, you know, just kind of exciting and, um, uh, um, you know, nonstop. Um, seem to like them a, a lot. But I, I wanted to write, I, I think the best way to get kids reading is to give them books, you know, worthwhile books that, um, that, that they can't put down. So that's what I wanted to do. And I think to some extent I've succeeded with, uh, with these two series. Maximum Ride, the narrator, is a, is a girl. Uh, she's a she's a girl with wings. She was um, uh, she was in a, a biotech lab, an outlaw biotech lab, and her name in the lab was Maximum. So she didn't have a last name, uh, but she kind of admired Sally Ride. So she actually took Sally Ride's last name. So her name is actually Maximum Ride. Hmm. And Daniel X is a, is a series that um, girls like, but boys love. Uh, my son Jack, when he read Daniel X, he said, "Dad, you finally got one right." So uh, that was that was a high praise indeed for me. <laughs> what what inspires you? I mean, where do you get ideas? It's pretty fantastical stuff you're talking about, actually. Oh, uh, I, I, you know, I, I, it's hard to really say. I mean, you read stuff in the papers. You see something when you're walking along the street. I have a huge folder of ideas. Uh, that's one of the reasons I do so many books. I've got literally hundreds of ideas for books. Not enough time to do all of them. Uh, clearly. Uh, you know, with respect to Maximum Ride, I, the idea of flying has always fascinated me. Uh, I love flying stories. When I was growing up, Peter Pan used to be on the TV once a year mm-hmm. uh, with Mary Martin playing Peter Pan. Uh, but that was very stimulating. Um, there was a book, Birdie, that I, that I liked. Um, I've, I, just the whole idea of, you know, we have these feet of clay and, and the idea of lifting off. The, the idea of freedom, I mean, that's 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 what the books are really about. They're about the, the maximum ride books are about two things really. But well, one is freedom, and second is kids taking responsibility for their actions. Mm-hmm. Um, if we could talk about some of your other books as well uh, in the time that we have, I wanted to ask about the Alex Cross series and and fourteen installments. I believe is that what what you're up to? I don't know. I don't count them. <laughs> I just write them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, somewhere in there, 14, 15. Uh, you know, he's still interesting to me. I, I still don't know, you know, how how his life is going to turn out. He uh, is involved with a woman now, which is good. He's got the two kids who were, three kids who were, who were growing up. A grandmother, who he still, still lives with, is in her 90s. Uh, so it's an interesting family to me. And one of the nice things about doing a series is, you can, um, you know, my books always have a lot of pace, but when you're writing a series, you can you can continue to build the characterization, so you 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 get both pace and and character development, which is uh, which is a lot of fun. And how do you keep a, a character that fresh over th- that many books? How do you keep the inspiration? Well, I think part of it is taking chances with the with the stories. I mean, there was one story early on, Cat and Mouse, where in the middle of it, it appeared that Alex died. And another narrator took over for about a hundred pages, so that was a big chance in terms of you know whether you would lose your readers right there. Um, so I've always been willing to take chances with the books, with the stories. So people you know just don't know what to expect, 
which I think is is good. And um, uh, as I said, I Alex is you know continues to grow uh-huh. um, uh, for me. I, I don't I don't know you know what he's going to do next. And your um, Women's Murder Club series uh, follows five detectives, uh, female detectives in San Francisco. Well, actually, they're, they're four. They're not. Det- four, one okay. is a detective. One okay. is a uh, medical examiner. One is a um, uh, rep- crime reporter. And um, the other is an assistant district attorney. So yeah. they're, they're four women. And, you know, it's somewhat large. It, it, it's, it's reasonable for them to get together and talk about cases. Other than I'm not sure if they would share everything with the journalist, but sure. Um, but that's what that's what brings them together, and they're best friends on top of everything else. Is there a challenge involved in in telling stories from a female point of view? No, I have trouble writing from the male point of view. Are you serious? Yeah, I grew up in a house full of women: mother, grandmother, three sisters, two two female cats. Uh, I don't have any issue. Max Maximum Ride is is, is a girl. Uh, I would have a harder time telling a Tom Clancy kind of a story from General's point of view. Mm. I, I don't quite know how Generals think, but I don't. I don't have an issue um, imagining a, a, a woman character. Now we've only touched on actually probably a couple of the genres that you've written in, and, and you really do sort of span the the range: crime thrillers, horror, romance. Are there writing similarities between them, and, and are there differences, and is one easier than the other, perhaps? Uh, well, I, I, love the, I love the young adult stuff. I, I think, that, I think it's the best, those are the best books I've ever done. Uh, I think it feeds to my strength, which is big imagination, anything goes. Um, the hardest are the romances, mm-hmm. uh, Suzanne's Diary for, for Nicholas and uh, Sundays at Tiffany's Because... I insist on on a on a on a good pace to the books, page turning element, and, and and that isn't necessarily a component of romances. Um, so those are, those are the hardest for me. Mm-hmm. Um, the nonfiction, uh, the first nonfiction I did against medical advice, uh, was with a friend of mine about, and that's a, I think a very very good book. Um, that was challenging only because I wanted to get the story of his family down. And for it to be as emotional as it was in real life, which which I think uh, Hal Friedman and I did with that book. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a question I'm sure you've heard hundreds of times, um, but it's it's one I always like to ask, and it's how much uh, do you draw from your real life, from your own personal experiences in in the books that you write? Yeah, almost nothing. Uh, I think um, Alex Cross has some similarities to me. Um, he's he's a homebody, basically. He's somewhat sensitive i think he's he's good in in a positive way with women um but other than that you know almost nothing Mm. Uh, although i was in advertising at one point so i learned a lot about serial killers there (laughs) um and and mentioning alice cross again uh, a lot of those books take place in washington dc and uh, as a Washingtonian, I guess I have my own views of why this is a good backdrop. But why? Why do you choose Washington D.C.? Uh, well, I, I just love the idea that a lot of things. You know, I mean, my, I, I'm not. I'm not writing realism. And um, every once in a while, somebody will say about one of them, it's not very realistic. And I always think about somebody looking at a Chagall or a Picasso and going, "It's not very realistic." I, I don't mean for it to be. It's. Um, it's it's more operatic than 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 realistic, but but in Washington you you 
I, I think somewhat realistically can, um, you know, you've got a politics, you've got all the, the, you know, the DEA, the FBI, I mean, everything, CIA, it's all in that area. So a lot of things can happen and it's, it's kind of believable. You don't have to stretch too much. You get like Tony Hellerman and, um, you know, out in some small county in, in New Mexico, you would think after about 12 books, he'd have killed everybody in the whole county, you know? <laughs> well, let me ask about some of your other activities now, if I, if I could. Um, I mentioned earlier the Read Kiddo Read website. Tell me a little bit about that and, and why uh, the work that you're doing there is important. Well, I, 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 as I said earlier, I think that the, one of the best ways, if not the best way to get kids reading is to give them books that they're going to love. That site is, is, is what we're trying to do is have nothing but books that are going to turn kids on and, and make them readers for life. And it's it's very easy to use. It, it it breaks down books, you know, zero to six, and then transitional books, and then page turners, and then books that are, that are harder but worth the effort. Um, so it's easy for a parent or grandparent, a teacher or a school librarian to go in there. And we have write-ups on 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 all of the books, not reviews, just write-ups. So you you, you know the subject matter. Uh, a lot of interviews um, with writers ranging from Julie Andrews to Jeff Kenny, um, there's about a dozen or so interviews now, and then a blog for people to share their, um, you, know, you know, secrets that they have to getting their kids reading. Mm-hmm. Um, a friend of mine, um, a very good father, single father, raised his two boys after his wife died, and he and he really they're 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 really nice boys the way they've grown up. But he said when we got talking about this, he said, gee, you know that it never occurred to me that it was my job to go out and get them books that were going to turn them on to reading. And I think a lot of parents don't think about that. A lot of grandparents, they're thinking, well, it's going to happen in school. And it may happen in school, but it may not happen in school. Um, but I think it is the job of parents and grandparents. I also think it's the job of teachers and school librarians also to be looking for books that are going to kick get kids. You know, if, uh, if we taught movies in school, and it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, but we started with Ingmar Bergman movies, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of us would be going, I, I really don't like movies. <laughs> and unfortunately, that's a little of what happens in some schools. They, you know, it isn't that easy to learn how to read. It isn't necessarily a lot of fun to learn. And then a lot of the stuff that's, that's fed kids initially is way below their intelligence level in terms of content. And then sometimes it, it just starts getting uh, duller than it needs to get. I, Jack, um, you know, my son, what we've done with Jack is for four years ago, he was you know, a good student, but not, not really a, a great reader. And Sue and I went out and picked half a dozen books out for him. He said, these are books you're going to like and you're going to read every day. You don't have to mow the lawn, but you do have to read for half an hour at least and as, or as much as you want. And the first summer it was, do I have to? By last summer, he had, he read 12 books, including To Kill a Mockingbird at 10. Um, this summer, he's read another dozen or so, including Huckleberry Finn. He's 11. And he reads everywhere. He reads in the car. He reads at dinner, you know. So he's turned into a, a, a real good reader. And it's primarily most of the books that, that, he's, that he's reading are books that he really likes. And um, the one book that both summers that he that he really thought were, was crummy were that were the ones that were were assigned at school. Hmm. And I don't see any reason that schools can't assign books that are both uh, 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 worthwhile and and uh, need to read. 
I mean, you know, Wrinkle of Time is, is pretty cool, and that's a book he would, you know, he'd be happy to read. And um, Huckleberry Finn and To Kill a Mockingbird. There's a lot. There are a lot of terrific books out there that that um, that, that kids will also enjoy reading. Well, that's great. And let let me ask you also about the James Patterson Award. That's why I'm coming to Washington. Oh, really? Tell I'm us. I'm going to do the mystery thing, and that's fine. But I'm really coming there because I'm so excited about getting kids reading, and I hope that. Uh, you know, everybody involved with the festival all the way up to the top, um, you know, really can can help to make that a real priority in this country. It certainly is, you know, much more so in England than it is here. But but I think we can um, we we can do something about that. Mm-hmm. It'll be a lot easier to fix in healthcare. Yeah, yeah. And what are the James Patterson Awards? Well, I do Page Turner Awards um, for. Um, Anything from schools to libraries to bookstores, uh, people have just spread the joy of reading. And we've given out, I don't know, $750,000 or something like that. And it ranges from Washington University to University of Minnesota to um, a book club uh, in, a, in, a, in a woman's um, hair salon mm. that did a lot of, it really got a lot of people reading. So it's just people that, that have turned on a lot of people to reading. Yeah, well, we have uh, reading promotion programs at the library, so we're we're definitely um, uh, congratulatory of that. Um, well, James Patterson, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. Well, you're welcome. I'm glad we uh, we got it done. Yeah, and we uh, are excited to hear more from you at the 2009 National Book Festival. That will be on Saturday, September 26th, on the National Mall, from 10 a.m. to 5:30 p.m. Rain or shine. The event is free. Let's, let's and, hope for shine. Yes, hope for shine, especially for, for those of you that have to be out there giving presentations. Uh, it is free and open to the public, and if you want more details and a complete list of participating authors, you can visit www.loc.gov bookfest. This is Matt Raymond from the Library of Congress. Thank you so much for listening.